Our pastor, Cameron Wright, is in Toronto for a Partners in Harvest International Leaders Convention, um, or conference, I should say. Uh, Partners in Harvest is an association, international association that our church is a part of with like-minded churches. And Cameron is a regional director here in the Midwest, and so he's a part of that conference. So he's up there doing that. But uh, while he's up there, we get to be blessed with a word from Graham McCaig. So we're going to welcome him on up here. Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing today? Isn't that good to be in church today? Wow, it's great. God's presence is so great. Well, let's um, let's pray as we um, open up God's words together and um, and receive it this morning. So let's pray together. Oh, Father, we want to be responsive to what you're saying, to where you lead us, God. As we sang that last song, we said that we wanted to be responsive to where you were leading us. And um, this morning, God, we want to be responsive to where you're leading us, God, in your word and in experiencing you this morning, God. We just pray that we would be able to say yes to you today, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I want to talk to you a little bit um, from my own experience of following God. And I also want to do an overview of um, some of the book of Acts and a little bit of the end of the book of John. So I'm not going to be in any one particular passage, but I'm going to be kind of um, kind of skimming along and pulling some points out of some different passages. But the theme for this morning is saying yes to the Holy Spirit. Saying yes to the Holy Spirit. And um, why this is a personal story for me is because growing up, I knew that um, the Holy Spirit existed because... Um, you know, he was he would made, was made reference to in our church growing up, but that was about it. There was no other kind of explanation of what the Holy Spirit was, what the Holy Spirit did, what he was like, anything like that. Anything like that. It was just like the Holy Spirit existed, and there was no other no other information. And I was thinking about what that was like. It was a little bit like, you know, if you were getting to know a family. It's like you would get to know part of the family, but there was one person in the family that you would never get to know, right? Because I knew about God the Father, and I knew about Jesus, but the Holy Spirit, it was like he lived in this other room somewhere in the house, and we never got to uh, interact with the Holy Spirit, didn't get to know what he looked like, didn't get to know anything about him. Have any of you had that same experience? It's okay, you can confess, this is a safe place to confess, Holy Spirit, unawareness, Yeah. Do we need to set up a, a support group? <laughs> I feel like this church is a support group for, for people like that. Now, the major shift for me as a Christian happened when I began to understand and experience more of the Holy Spirit. And um, I don't know if that's anybody else's situation here, that as you became familiar with the Holy Spirit, that's when it all kind of began to make sense for you. And um, it was interesting, that last song that we even sang, that Jesus himself followed the Holy Spirit, was familiar with the Holy Spirit, knew what the Holy Spirit was like. And I was thinking about that. After Jesus was baptized, he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And if Christ himself modeled following the Holy Spirit, saying yes to the Holy Spirit, then how much of an important thing is it for us that we also learn to say yes to the Holy Spirit? And so 
this morning as we look at the book of Acts, I just want to kind of show, show some examples of how the Holy Spirit led people, how he interacted with people. And I hope that you get kind of a flavor of who the Holy Spirit is. So it's going to be really just a basic Holy Spirit overview. And then at the end, we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and interact with us this morning. Is anybody excited about that? Is anybody petrified and wants to leave, like, right now? And if you do, if you do, it's okay, because, you know, that was me for a long time. You know, if I was in a meeting and people said, we just want to be open to the Holy Spirit right now, I'm like, okay, where is the nearest door? Because I have got to get out of here, you know? Because I was terrified because I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. But, you know, we want, we want to move past not knowing anything about the Holy Spirit, you know, we want to get past that point. And for me, when I was growing up, whenever I got to my kind of later teenage years, I was beginning to, to go to worship meetings that were like for youth. And I would see people raising their hands in worship and kind of just having freedom in worship. And I was like, that is really strange. You know, I had never seen that before. Did anybody else grow up in a church where it was like very kind of regimented and, you know, yeah, again, there's quite a few hands. And I, even for somebody to raise their hand, I remember... There was a guy that came to our church. Um, he's actually the pastor's son, and he had been gone for a long time. He, you know, he'd grown up and moved away. And he came back one time, and we were we used hymn books at our church. And he had the hymn book in one hand, and he had his hand like this one time when we were singing a hymn at our church because we sang hymns. That was all we sang. And he was like this. And um, I remember kind of staring because I'd never seen anything like that before. Has anybody else had this experience? And I remember being like... Mom, what's he doing? <laughs> what's he trying to hold up with his hand, his hymn books in the other hand? You know? <laughs> it didn't make any sense, right? And my mom's like, don't look, don't look. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I was going to youth, and I was seeing people raising their hands in worship. I was seeing people have joy and attributing it, attributing it to the Holy Spirit. Well, that made me curious, like, wow, the Holy Spirit, freedom and joy go together. I had not, I, that was different for me. I remember going to a conference when I was 18, I was really like, God, where should I go to university? You know, I, I wanted to go and I really needed guidance and I needed it like right away. And I remember by this point I was in this quest, I needed to know if the spiritual gifts were for today or if, I, if they'd stopped with the early church. You know, some of you may be familiar with that debate, you know, and I really needed to know. I really did. Like, it was just this big topic for me whenever I was kind of, once I'd kind of gotten a little taste of what the Holy Spirit was like, I was like, well, you know, the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts, they, go, they really seem to go together, so I need to know for myself. Has anybody else had that, that quest as well? You know, and um, there was, I went to a conference in England, and there was this big, um, there's this meeting, there's tons and tons of different meetings you go to, but one was this guy, and the whole topic was something like, this pastor explains uh, something about the Holy Spirit. And like, I was like, great, I'll go. So it was in 1998, and it was a guy, a pastor from Belfast in Northern Ireland, who had just got back from Toronto. Talk about a setup. Like, so, you know, by that point I'd heard about Toronto and, you know, how bad it was and all that stuff and how you should be very careful. So he comes and, and he tells, he just gets up and he tells his story about going to Toronto, you know, and, um, and he, he had said, you know, I was very skeptical about the Holy Spirit's move at Toronto. And he said, uh, 
He said, my wife one day said to me, if, if the Holy Spirit was moving across the street, like literally across the street from where, you, from where we live today, would you go and would you check it out? And he's like, oh yeah, if the Holy Spirit was moving across the street, I would definitely go. And she said, well, why won't you go to Toronto? It's the same principle. And he said, all right. He's like, he's like, if I'm supposed to go to Toronto, he's like, I want God to tell me by the end of the week and to make it really clear. Talk about a fleece. You know that story about the fleece? <laughs> make it dry. No, make it wet. I mean, okay, doesn't matter. So, um, so by the end of that week, somebody from his church, a businessman, called up and said, um, Paul, that's the pastor's name, he said, um, he said, I have this business trip I got to go on, you know, and we're leaving, we're leaving next week. And he said, you know, I just don't want to travel by myself. He's like, if I paid your way, would you come with me? He's like, oh, great. Where is it to? Toronto. <laughs> uh, and so he ended up in Toronto. The Holy Spirit really impacted his life. And he's telling this experience. And I'm in the meeting that he's telling the experience. So anyway, I'm still kind of very kind of skeptical about the Holy Spirit. Checking it out. And um, basically, you know, I receive prayer. People pray for me. There's people falling over. There's all, there's, there's things that, as a church, we're familiar with, but I was very unfamiliar with. Just things happening. But, you know, in the middle of it, I just felt a lot of peace. You know, and I just felt like this is okay, even though nothing personally happened to me. And I was just like, this is good. And I received prayer for direction in my life. God amazingly directed things within the next couple of weeks. And everything was great. And that was just another little step. And, you know, this is just to say, sometimes this journey, or oftentimes this journey, becoming familiar with God in general, the Holy Spirit, can take time. And it can take step-by-step process. And so some of us here are really like, oh, the Holy Spirit so amazing let's just dive in and let's just get soaked in the holy spirit and we're all for that at this church as you know if you come here regularly but for some of us it's a journey it's a real it's a process and it's there's barriers in our own lives that we have to overcome does that make sense to anyone in here you know and so let's just encourage each other in saying yes to the holy spirit so Let's just see, I just want to take a little bit of time and just kind of cover just the very, very end of John, and then just we'll go through Acts. And the whole point is, is to just kind of see what the Holy Spirit is like, because one of the things that if you don't know anyone, one of, the, one of the problems is you kind of either, you know, you imagine what they may be like, you know, or you're kind of afraid of them because you don't know what they're like. And so what we want to do is we just want to look at what is the Holy Spirit like, and then, and then just become familiar with the Holy Spirit this morning, just from, from reading Acts. But first of all, in, uh, in John, right before Jesus leaves, and this is kind of like a setup to the book of Acts, because um, the book of Acts, as you know, is the beginning of the church, and Jesus uses and, and, and sends out the apostles to get the church um, started to uh, carry his message. And um, at the very end of John, he begins to prep them for this process, you know, and he kind of starts to be like, you guys are going to be going out as my witnesses. And he's like, this is some help that you're going to need. And he begins to talk about the Holy Spirit in John 15. And um, some of the things that he talks about in there is he talks about the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so this is a good starting point. It's good to know what is the purpose, what is the role of the Holy Spirit. So the first thing is the Holy Spirit is a counselor. Have you ever needed counsel? Have you ever needed advice? Yeah. Well, the Holy Spirit is there to be your counselor, to be your advisor. Okay, that's a good start. 
Another thing the Holy Spirit does is convicts the world of sin, of guilt, of righteousness and judgment. Convicts the world of sin, guilt, righteousness and judgment. Have you ever found yourself anywhere in that process? Anywhere, anywhere in those four words, have you ever find yourself in the middle of that process? Well, you know, that's the Holy Spirit acting in your life. You know, if you're, doing, if you're doing something you shouldn't be and you feel like, man, I should not be doing this. You know, that's the Holy Spirit working to fulfill one of his roles in your life. Another thing that John 15 talks about is the Holy Spirit guides us into truth. Have you ever wanted to just know the truth? And know the freedom that knowing the truth brings you, brings you into. And Cameron talked about this a couple of weeks ago. That's a rule of the Holy Spirit, is to guide us into truth. Another critical thing is that the Holy Spirit is supposed to make Jesus known in the world and to glorify him. And this is perhaps, you could almost make this the overarching role of the Holy Spirit, is to glorify Jesus and to make him known. And that's a good rule of thumb if you're trying to discern, is this the Holy Spirit or not? Is Jesus being glorified and is Jesus being made known? Is Jesus being glorified and is Jesus being made known? Because in John 15, Christ himself says that that's a key function. And then this is great. We all, we all, we're familiar with Pentecost where the Holy Spirit falls. We're going to get there in just a moment. But do you know that Jesus actually physically breathed the Holy Spirit onto the disciples before he left? Isn't that an incredible picture? That Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit and to the disciples before he left. And that's in John chapter 20. and verse 21, again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What an incredible picture. What an incredible picture of the Holy Spirit coming. And again, in Acts, we see that that happens in a much, much larger scale at Pentecost. Acts, again, begins with kind of, it's like a little kind of refresher of um, the Holy Spirit's coming. Um, five verses into the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 5. It's Christ talking. He said, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Oh, baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's a new word in relation to the Holy Spirit right there. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want you to imagine baptism Right now, like, just imagine, you know, we, we had baptisms over the summer. What happens is the person is not, they're in the water and they're not, they're not submerged in the water. And then they're completely submerged in the water. And then they come back up. Okay, that's the picture of what Christ said was going to happen to the disciples. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Wow, that's amazing. Acts 1 verse 8. Um, he continues, and this verse is very well known, kind of sets up the rest of the book of Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit brings a strength, brings a power for witnessing, for going to places and talking about Christ. Acts chapter 2. Okay, this is like the major, major event of the book of Acts. It just begins to set up the rest of it. The Holy Spirit comes. But not only does the Holy Spirit come on individuals, as it had up to this point in history, the Holy Spirit comes on a whole group of people at once, 120 people. Do you know what the, why the people were gathered together in Jerusalem? 
it was it was Pentecost. It was an already established festival. And do you know what the Jewish festival of Pentecost traditionally represented? Does anybody happen to know? Yeah, it was 50, 50 days after the first the Passover Sabbath. And it actually was a celebration of harvest. And basically, the idea was that people would bring, come to Jerusalem, they would bring part of their harvest that they had just harvested. And it says in the commentary that there was both mandatory and voluntary offering of harvest where they recognized the goodness of God. And it also says that it was a very, very joyous and joyful celebration. Okay, so let's think about this. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. Was there joy? I think there was joy because the Holy Spirit fell. And was there a harvest? I think there was a harvest. Do you remember Jesus talking about you will be fishers of men? And 3,000 were added to the church on that day of Pentecost. And you see the two going together. And we see some really interesting things happen at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit falls. That ability to witness, you know, Peter gets up and witnesses to who Jesus is. And what does, Je- what does Peter do? He makes Jesus known and he glorifies Jesus through the strength of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember Jesus had talked about that in John 15? That the Holy Spirit's function is to make Jesus known and to glorify himself. In Acts chapter 5, um, there's an interesting story about the Holy Spirit in that it's how not to relate to the Holy Spirit. How not to relate to the Holy Spirit. Is anybody familiar with the story of Ananias and Sapphira? And what did they do? Okay, so their sin wasn't that they kept some of the money back from what they had sold, so much as they lied to the Holy Spirit. And do you remember that was, that was it? That was what that was what Peter Peter nailed. He said, "You know, you guys have lied to the Holy Spirit, and that was, and that was the thing." So that's a bit of a warning. Other places in the New Testament, can I talk about? Don't quench the Holy Spirit. You know, don't quench the Holy Spirit. And so there's there's these references of remain open to the Holy Spirit, remain open to the Holy Spirit. And as we go through the Book of Acts, these these believers they were experiencing things that were new, that were brand new. You know, have you ever felt like, wow, we're experiencing something that's brand new to do with the Holy Spirit? You know, and this is exactly what the book of Acts is about. You know, it's about the Holy Spirit just doing all of these new things, all of these things that are completely in God's plan for reaching the world. In Acts chapter 7, we have a really um, incredible story of um, Stephen. And um, Stephen was... um, was a figure in the early, early, early church, and um, he got to. He was accused by um, the Pharisees. He got to um, kind of plead his case, and he makes a very, very long speech in the Book of Acts about um, in chapter seven, kind of about um, about kind of the story of Israel and the Jewish people, and basically he um, incites the crowd so much that they end up killing him, and. Um, Stephen is very, very highly regarded in the book of Acts because he, you know, he was martyred for his faith. He spoke the truth. He witnessed. But one of the things that he says against the Jewish leaders in verse 51 is he calls them a stiff-necked people, uncircumcised hearts and ears. 
He said, you're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. He said, you always resist the Holy Spirit. So, you know, this is coming just a couple of chapters after Ananias and Sapphira. So don't lie to the Holy Spirit and don't resist the Holy Spirit. Just these little clues that are in the book of Acts just to help us along. In the next chapter, we see the Holy Spirit acting to... Um, to uh, to uh, just just to grab a hold of people in a way that made others really pay attention, and it's a really really fascinating story, because basically the Holy Spirit we read in in the eighth chapter of Acts is now being transferred by the laying on of hands and prayer. Have you ever had anyone pray for you, put their hand on you, and pray for the Holy Spirit to be imparted between the two of you? Okay, well that goes back to the earliest church to Acts chapter 8 and um, verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. So Peter and John come in to check out what's happening. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. And did you notice in there, they were believers who had not yet received the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands and prayer. So you see that there was two separate things that were going on there. And they were coming in and saying, hey, you guys really need the Holy Spirit as well. You really do. So there was a guy called Simon, not Simon Peter, but Simon the Sorcerer. Imagine if in history you, got, you went down in history as Simon the Sorcerer. I mean, that's like, that's a label right there. But... Um, but he sees this happening. He sees the Holy Spirit being transferred into people's lives. And he says, I want that. I want that. The problem was he wasn't a believer. And so he said, he said, I'm not a believer, but I have money. Can I buy the Holy Spirit from you? Again, not advised. Um, Peter, Peter did not, no, it just didn't, didn't really go for that. And... Um, it wasn't a good situation. A little bit later on in the, in the eighth chapter of Acts, it's a great story. Philip baptizes um, the African eunuch. You're familiar with that story. He runs up to the chariot. The, the eunuch's reading the scroll of Isaiah, and he says, okay, let's, let's talk through this. He comes to faith, baptizes him. What happens to Philip right after? Oops, scooped away. He just disappears and goes somewhere else. The Holy Spirit transports Philip to a different location. Wow, talk about saying yes to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay, Acts chapter 10, we have another groundbreaking incident where the Holy Spirit guides. And I'm just kind of giving you a taste of what's in here. But basically, Peter is given a vision in Acts chapter 9 about the Holy Spirit and about purity and impurity. So to us, it's like, okay, what kind of food can you eat? What can you not eat? Okay, this is groundbreaking for, for a Jewish person. To even go to the house of a Gentile person is just unbelievably breaking all cultural norms and barriers. The point is, as Peter is talking, he's already been led by the Holy Spirit to go there. And as Peter is preaching the gospel, the Holy Spirit comes in and interrupts the meeting. The Holy Spirit comes in and interrupts the meeting in which Peter is talking and, and completely just just blows Peter away and confirms that God is accepting the Gentiles. 
And that's actually confirmed a little bit later. This is such an incredible incident that it kind of rumbles on through the book of Acts for a few more chapters. And in Acts 15, they have this, all the major church figures have this big conference and they've got to figure out, you know, okay, so, so Gentiles are now believers, but should we make them act like they're kind of Jews, but just Christians too? Like how much, how Jewish should they still be even though they're Christian? And, um, and Peter said, and this is a critical verse, he says, no, he said, we know that God has accepted them because of the Holy Spirit. That was Peter's criteria as he's explaining why they should be accepted into the church and why they should have freedom. And it's in 15, Acts 15, verse 8. He said, God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them, that would be the Gentiles, by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. Wow, the Holy Spirit is a sign of acceptance. Isn't that great? The Holy Spirit is a sign of acceptance. And then in Acts 19, it's the final story that I'll, that I'll touch on today, but in Acts 19 we have a, a kind of another example of people who were believers but not yet had received the Holy Spirit. And um, they were believers. They'd never even heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Paul comes in and he says, he says you need to receive the Holy Spirit. And so that's a picture of, of kind of what I touched on earlier in my life. Like, I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit, but I was a Christian. Certainly hadn't been prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit. And, you know, in, a, in, um, a, in the city of Ephesians, in Acts 19, we have that exact situation. People are Christians. They follow Christ. They have faith. But they didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. So we've seen a little bit about what the Holy Spirit is, is like in the book of Acts. And that really helps us. But what are some ways in which the Holy Spirit continues to act today and continues to kind, of, to kind of touch our lives? And, you know, saying yes to the Holy Spirit implies that the Holy Spirit has already done something to you to make you want to say yes or no, right? So, you know, the whole, the whole situation is we want to be responsive to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit begins to move, we want to say yes to the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, the early church is saying yes to the Holy Spirit and all the different ways that the Holy Spirit was beginning to act among them and all of the different things. And this isn't even talking about all of the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit was distributing amongst them in their churches. So what are some of the ways in which the Holy Spirit might kind of instigate or might initiate with us that we have a choice to make? Should we say yes to the Holy Spirit or should we not? Well, sometimes you might just feel the Holy Spirit. You know, it might be like a physical feeling that you have. Like, I can just kind of sense kind of a change in the atmosphere. How many are familiar with that? Yeah, a lot of people in here are familiar with that. You can just kind of feel, wow, there's something different. When we prayed and we asked, and we asked for God's presence, I can kind of feel that difference. You know, and that's the Holy Spirit coming in. And, you know, you can say yes or no to that. You know, you can choose, even in your heart, you can say, well, that's, that's kind of, I'm not sure about that, you know, so, so I just, I'm not going to, not going to go any further with that. Or you can say yes, and you can, um, allow the Holy Spirit to come and to, and to be, and to be with you in that room. Does that make sense? You know, and you kind of have that choice. What other ways, you know, you might receive a new prayer language if the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you know, you might receive a new prayer language. You might be able to, to speak to God in a new way. You might receive a spiritual gift. You might receive a spiritual gift. You know, you get to say yes to the Holy Spirit working. You get a gift that is given into your life. That may include the gift of wisdom. It may be 
um, a prophetic word. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit moves and you receive a prophetic word for somebody or a word of knowledge where you get a specific piece of knowledge for that person. Um, it may also be an impression like, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking this, I kind of feel this, but I'm not really sure it might be the Holy Spirit. You know, if you say no to that, then you've said no to it. But sometimes, you know, we want to encourage each other to say yes to those kinds of things where we we feel like the Holy Spirit might be leading us here, might be leading us there. And there's safety as we, as a church, kind of follow this path. Um, you may have a physical manifestation of the Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit comes in so strongly that, you know, like Philip was, was completely moved and put somewhere else, okay? And sometimes, sometimes, you know, there's a physical response that our bodies have to the Holy Spirit coming in, and that's okay. That's okay because the Holy Spirit is coming in to make Jesus more glorified and to make him known. And, and sometimes the only way God can really get a hold of us and really slow us down is to physically knock us over and say, I want you just to kind of lie down for a minute and receive from me. You know, um, you may uh, be strengthened towards evangelism by the Holy Spirit. You may also have Bible verses come to memory. You may be reading the Bible and just have verses jump out of the page at you. You know, that's the Holy Spirit acting. You may um, pray for somebody to receive a miraculous healing, or you may receive one yourself. So the way the Holy Spirit may work. You might receive life direction or a change of course in your life. The Holy Spirit may act to do that. You may be filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized with the Holy Spirit. So these are just some ways. And a good rule of thumb is, um, is the fruit of the Spirit. Are you seeing the fruit of the Spirit in your life as a result of the Spirit working in your life? And the fruit of the Spirit are listed in Galatians 5. And they are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, as you say yes to the Holy Spirit, do you feel joy? Do you feel peace? Do you feel a gentleness and a kindness come into your life? That's just a good, that list is a good rule of thumb for if the Holy Spirit is kind of acting and is wanting to come in and do something in your life. And I encourage you to say yes to the Holy Spirit. And I realize this is just a, it's just designed as a taster for in the book of Acts. What is the Holy Spirit like? What, what was the Holy Spirit doing amongst the early Christians? And this list is just a, just a taster of some of the things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives today that we want to say yes to. And so for me in my Christian faith, as I began to say yes to the Holy Spirit, I began to just see more and more freedom in my relationship with God and others and began to really experience God in new ways. And I just learned, and I'm still learning, to overcome that fear of the Holy Spirit and kind of, I don't know the Holy Spirit, you know? And so as a church, we want to pursue this journey of following the Holy Spirit, saying yes to the Holy Spirit and kind of embracing the Holy Spirit together. Does that sound good? All right. Well, let's stand up. And we're just going to finish. And we're just going to take literally a couple of minutes. And we're just going to say yes to the Holy Spirit together. And I want you to think of one area in your life that you feel like you could say yes to the Holy Spirit. It might be something off of that list. So it might be in the area of like, in the prophetic, you say, I want to, I want to go deeper in the prophetic. I want to learn more about the prophetic. It might be in the area of healing. I want to pray for somebody to get healed. It might be in the area of speaking in tongues. I really would love to speak in tongues. It might be in the area of spiritual wisdom. I would love to just have that gift of spiritual wisdom. If you're just totally like, I don't know any of that stuff. 
but I just want the Holy Spirit. I just feel like the Holy Spirit, I want to respond positively to the Holy Spirit, and you don't know where to begin, that's okay. You know, the right place to start is just to say, Holy Spirit, I say yes to you. You know, and the Holy Spirit will begin to act and begin to make himself known. All right, so let's just pray together for a couple of minutes, and then we'll close, and we'll just say, Holy Spirit, we just want you to come right now. And Holy Spirit, as a church, we say yes to you again this morning. We say yes to you. And just go ahead and start and just say yes to the Holy Spirit. Yes to you, Holy Spirit. And uh, you are so welcome in this place today. And for those of you who are really familiar with the Holy Spirit, just ask for more of the Holy Spirit, maybe in a particular area of your life. And just ask that the for the Holy Spirit to come and to reveal new things. Just say yes to those new things in advance, what he's going to do in your life. And if you feel like you're just starting in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, I don't know you at all, but I really want to. I really would like to know you, Holy Spirit, in whatever way you want to reveal yourself. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you come, Holy Spirit? And we just confess, sometimes we have fear Sometimes we don't fully understand how you move, but we confess to our faith in you, Holy Spirit, to lead us and to guide us into truth, to guide us in understanding Christ and making him known. Thank you. And let's just finish and just say, thank you, Holy Spirit. Just thank you for your presence with us this morning and thank you for your goodness. Thank you. Amen. Amen. All right, was that good? All right, great. You may be seated and I'll hand over to Sarah.